credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Vitruvian Man podcast, a podcast centered around self-mastery. I'm your host, Zach Schenken. Today, I'm joined by Will Coomer. Will is a young entrepreneur, digital nomad, an inquisitive spiritualist who thinks deeply about life, work, design, and the human experience. I'm excited for our conversation today that will cover anything from travel hacking to God in the universe. Will, welcome to the show. Thank you, Zach. Appreciate it. Really, really glad we made this happen. I know. It's been a a little bit of a back and forth as we were kind of just talking about. Um, We can get into the travel portion of like your lifestyle and why you find it so important because I think it's very fascinating and I think it's a, a temperamental difference that's something that's actually dissimilar about us but like I love the group that you have and the lifestyle of digital nomadism it's like a weird byproduct of this information age that we live in and the post-covid world of like using your brain to make money from kind of anywhere as long as you have an internet connection I think it's really unique and so over the past few weeks you've been kind of gallivanting across Southeast Asia. And so it's been tough with time zones and everything, but I'm glad that now that you're back stateside, we can make this thing kind of happen. Yeah, most definitely. And that's, yeah, we'll, we'll definitely dive in there because there's a lot, there's a lot to talk about, but like just even what you discussed, like that time zone um, issue, but yeah, let's, let's just dive in and, and we can, we can hit uh, some of those topics. I'm sure we'll. Yeah, we'll... I, I think it'll come up quickly. Um, I typically like to intro because it gives me and anyone listening context to who they're listening to, as well as context to where they are now. Like, I'd love to hear a little bit about your the TLDR of your origin story and your path to like what I describe as this world of like self mastery, kind of the levels of awareness, consciousness, self actualization. There's a lot of terms for it, but. At some point, you were just a child, close to God, very open-eyed like all of us. And then layers come on, you start doing the life thing. But like, I'm curious to hear if there was a transformational person, event, something that pushed you to the self-development world. Um, and what was that kind of look like? Yeah. So for here, I definitely have like a, a timeline breakdown where it's like, okay, I know this is when I got into this, this and that. So I'll start... Um, Really, I mean, talking about like more of the child stage, I'm very blessed and fortunate to have a family that like specifically my mom, I remember as I was just a really young child, always telling me like, Will, you're meant to do great things. Um, you're going to do like just, you know, kind of repeated things of that. Like you're going to do big things. You're meant to do great things. And just um, that repeated kind of phrase and sentiment programmed into me. So that's definitely a positive start of just like, realizing okay uh you know i don't know what it maybe is especially as a child but i know i'm really required um not by my family or thing but like just personally required to actually do great things and and have it in me for sure um but really as far as moving much more into what you described as like the self-mastery that for me started around seventh grade, so like 13 or 14 with basketball. Um, and actually basketball is how I first started meditating and first really started getting into like personal development. Um, because my greatest problem with not just basketball, but sports and 
many activities was I thought too much. So whether it was ADHD, ADD, just anything hyperactive brain, whatever you want to say, uh, you can't play a sport um, and specifically basketball if you're thinking all the time. Um, it gets in the way. So I learned from Kobe Bryant, um, and Kobe's still one of my favorites, that he meditated um, for, for different reasons. And through medica- meditation, um, actually using meditation like medication, um, is how I could learn how to focus. And so I started with just like three minutes um, after every workout, um, once a day otherwise, in seventh grade, um, meditating and actually learn how to focus that way. And that was kind of the the dive in point into other forms of like personal development. So it was because also um, just prefacing or explaining about basketball, I was shit, like really, really bad. The first year I played, um, it was hard for me to run up and down the court without falling, like actually like much less dribble a ball. Um, so that should be a fairly good perspective, but knew it was something I wanted to be good at and found really the first thing for me to dive into. So through that, um, through the pursuit of, you know, greatness, whatever LeBron says, like strive for greatness there, um, is, is what helped me develop so many of these other skills, um, and really like thought patterns, um, that allow me to succeed today. Um, so specifically there with basketball, it was probably biggest benefit is focus and meditation. Um, but also from a sports perspective, you analyze your game, how you're playing, et cetera. So that really, um, because I was the only one beyond like coaches telling me stuff, but for someone who thinks a lot, um, coaches, I think never give you the amount of feedback you're really looking for, or at least for me. Um, so I was analyzing everything I did, um, which really boosted my self-awareness. And through that, essentially, it was like, okay, like figuring out the way I move or what does this workout produce or what do I need to implement into my game that is going to help me succeed even more. So getting through that process, fast forward, um, I fairly quickly actually learned how to run up and down a basketball court and dribble and shoot and things like that. Um, did well, got to the point where I was going to play in college, but really the development there, I decided not to play. And that was because everything I wanted to do, I wanted to become successful at basketball, um, and to play in college, not to, you know, like many, um, go into the NBA even, but I wanted to play overseas. Um, and you know, what is known as the Euro league because I wanted to travel. I wanted to be a global person, right? And realized through just general analysis um, that I could do those things much quicker through other avenues, example, business um, or study than basketball. Because no matter what, with with basketball, okay, generally I'm probably going to play four years because I was going to get my degree too and then go overseas. And unless you're a huge standout um, here or, you know, a dropout from the NBA or something, you generally have to work your way up from the bottom league to some of the top leagues. And alongside the 
basketball academics, really like all I cared about and in high school and even previously was academics and basketball. So that's all I did. Um, the academic side admittedly like came pretty easy to me. So, you know, always knew I was intelligent, smart, et cetera. Um, and realized with that, um, just using my intelligence other ways and applying it to, like I said, business could speed up the process rather than that, like whatever it might take six years or so. Um, and so I went to school, um, I was an international business major in college, basically, of course, had a bunch of learning opportunities there, networked. Um, and once after that senior year of high school, stopped playing basketball, I, uh, I'm not sure if you played a sport or not, but many athletes who stopped playing, right? It sounds like, you know, you've probably gone through this, especially if you play really seriously, like there was a huge gap in your life just in time. Um, not even to mention, you know, the mental side or like what you were consumed with, et cetera. And so for like a semester in college, I just felt absolutely lost. Um, but then, you know, realized, okay, like let's apply this even more focused in a sense, let's apply all this energy and time, um, at learning, you know, what you call self-mastery, like going into personal development there. And so just took an absolute deep dive there. Um, one of, and this is something I actually thought about, you know, discussing today beforehand, kind of hope we get into it is, you know, had moments where pretty soon into college, I had, I did have some like good classes that were helpful, but especially even in the business realm, I realized quickly that I could teach myself and learn effectively more and learn more efficiently by studying, by reading books, by studying YouTube and, you know, learning from other people online or meeting, et cetera, right? So what I would do, especially in my off time in college was teach myself courses, like my own prescribed and program courses. So started off with things like communication and leadership um, and public speaking, um, and then getting in, in, into areas of like social media marketing, right? And so essentially targeted what I knew were either, um, you know, abilities or areas, whatever you want to say, that would provide a great ROI for my life. And I knew it was important for someone who kind of going back to that childhood thing, wanted to do great things, even though I might not know what those great things were um, beyond traveling and being a global individual, right? Um and so had those areas, um, and this is flashing forward to what was my sophomore year of college, um, right before COVID hit, March 2020. Um, I was studying social media marketing from guys like Gary V, Iman Gaji, who um, Gary V is huge in all like entrepreneur face, uh, spaces now. Um, and actually started because Gary V said so, um, pushing my own brand on LinkedIn. Lo and behold, March 2020, COVID hits, everything shuts down. And because for a couple of months, I had been pushing my brand and, and honestly grown um, to a fairly decent point where I was networking with people all over the country and, and posting content and, and, you know, had built my brand to a, like a decent point. Um, you know, this is like three years ago. So today it's almost laughable, but still was um great for me at that time i had entrepreneurs um local businesses 
up to like even medium-sized business would reach out and say, Hey, we have no idea how to do any of this social media stuff. Um, and basically just started working with clients out of that, um, work with entrepreneurs, building their own personal brands, did lead gen for local businesses and essentially like brand build outs. So as a college student, I was doing that, um, generally like 2k a month, which, um, was pretty good. I just used it to travel on the weekends with my friends and things like that. Like I went to school in North Carolina and would go to like Charleston, South Carolina or Florida or Miami or Vegas, right. And doing stuff like that. And that was awesome. But during that whole time at college up until my final semester, I was, because my father um, had kind of programmed me to, I was really going with the intention of going into investment banking and eventually head fund management within finance. So all these social media marketing stuff, um, and Iman was the only guy I knew close to my age doing it, was just like, okay, this is this is fun money. Let's, you know, just grow the savings, et cetera, use it to travel. Um, and so through that process, um, just kept going there. But then Iman, who I respected and um, because I actually ended up buying his course because it got to the point where I had businesses be like, hey, do you want to be my, like, I want you to come on as my VP marketing. And I'm some, you know, 21 year old kid who's like, whoa, like, I know I can do lead gen or build out your brand or whatever, but I don't know all this other stuff about marketing, right? And so recognize Iman as a, a really good, good source to learn from, bought his course um, and was so impressed by that. Like from that point on, like really respected what he had to say. So he was, um, you know, had been doing this, started way earlier than I had. Um, and Iman shouted out this guy, Arlen Moore. And actually this is, now we're flash forward to like my second to last semester, like November, December of 2021. Um, and I actually stopped working with all my social media marketing clients because I said, okay, I'm going to grad school. I'm going to go into finance. Sorry, I got to cut this off, um, which was kind of silly, but you know, I guess part of the process. And Iman Gaji shouts out this guy, Arlen Moore. And because I was still doing my own coursework and studying at the time, it was the subconscious mind and essentially like mental programming. This guy Arlen starts talking about a program, a, a tool and program called Maxi that he had created to program the subconscious, subconscious and conscious mind. So I was like, okay, this is right up my alley what I'm studying right now. Let's try it out. And I was so impressed by Maxi and how well it had worked with everything that I had studied and come to learn about the brain that when Arlen started talking about this other thing called Tribe, I was really interested um, because Maxi was such a good product. And even though I had worked in social media marketing, I still thought of social media for myself and for the personal use, more of vanity metrics um, or really only valuable for like business to business or business to consumer type things. But it was clear from learning more about Arlen that he had used social media to level up really at every standpoint of his life. So when he started talking about Tribe and this thing that could teach you, you could learn through Tribe, 
how to optimize your social media to do design your life. Really, I was like, okay, this is right up my alley. And so I joined Tribe um, when it first started, which was January 2022, with like 74 other guys. Um, and that was where really this whole online business world opened up to me. The only other thing that had essentially taught me about online business um, was reading the four hour work week by Tim Ferriss, which is, as you know, huge in our world. Um, but it wasn't until that point when I joined where I actually met other guys my age or even younger who were, you know, traveling and, and having successful businesses online. And like I said, the only thing really previously that I knew about was social media marketing. But I'm meeting through that group guys who were, I was like 23 at that time, guys were the same age, literally doing like seven figures with their businesses. And it's not like, um, you know, previously, I think a lot of people think online business or especially because of um, things like drop shipping or, you know, day trading, right? Where it's, there's a hard learning curve or there's gurus who are scammy and stuff like out there. Like, no, there was a ton of legitimate businesses that were honest, good work, um, just based online. And it was like, shit, you know, what do I want to do? I want to travel. Um, I want to be able to, you know, always visit my family. I want to have location freedom. I want to have, um, time freedom. What's the avenue that can do that online business? Why do, am I going to go into finance where yes, I'll be very successful. Um, after whatever, like four to six years is the normal trajectory. Um, not that I guess think normally, but why should I do that when I can use my time way more effectively and already have plenty of other examples um, from my friends and have location and time freedom? And really, that was the dive in point there. So basically said, fuck, and I'm good to swear, yeah. Is it cool to swear? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go for it. <laughs> okay. Just making sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just wanted to make sure um, you can edit that out. But basically said, fuck all my, like, I stopped, like, looking at any grad school or internships and finance and everything. Really stopped going to class um, my final semester. And I had kept up, like, grades really weren't a problem still. Um, so skip, like, I think the funniest one was, like, I literally skipped nine, like, eight or nine weeks of statistics still got like an A in the class, um, but put everything into um, investing and learning about all these other online businesses, meeting as many people as I could, meeting up with other people in North Carolina um, and just dove in. And, and I told my friends at the time, because they're like, Will, what's going on? What are you doing? Um, dove into transforming myself and learning as much as I could. So what I told my friends was I could set up a launch pad post-graduation to do exactly what I wanted there. Um, and just one other point that I kind of want to address too, that I think, you know, maybe we can dive into later is another significant moment as to why online business was so great for me and why specifically location um, freedom was important is because up until I learned about online business, I thought I was going to have to live in this small town, Ohio, for the rest of my life because um during the year 2020 both of my grandmothers died from covid and i actually my whole family got it um like 
I had had COVID weeks previously. Um, wasn't that bad for me, but um, because of whatever comorbidities, et cetera, my, both of my grandmothers were, you know, above the age of 70. So fairly old in that regard. Um, but my whole, and I have a small family. So like um, my whole family would have been like 10 people at that time, got it. And I was the only one taking care of them and literally had to like drive um, both of my parents to the hospital. My dad's like calling his business partner saying, this is where the will is like pretty serious from that regard. And of course, didn't know a lot of what we know now about it. Um, and then ended up both losing both of my grandmothers. And, you know, I had my dad being like, will I'm an orphan. Um, my mom really can't keep her shit together. Her mom just died. Right. And I'm pretty much the strong block through all of that. And, you know, through that process, which I was, of course, happy to do and knew these are the things going to be called of me and required of me. Um, but from that point on, um, one of the things actually I took care of my the second grandmother to die. I was taking care of her pretty much every day in her home. Um, she's very sickly and I knew she wasn't looking good, but my family still made me go back to college and she died like probably three or four days later. And that was one of the biggest, like, I don't know, just like twist my heart points, I guess I'll call it. Um, because I couldn't be with them. So I said, never again, am I going to let somebody control whether I can be with my family or not, even if it is my own family. And so that was why this online business thing was such, for me, a world opener, because now I realized I could do what I always wanted to do and travel and live wherever, but come back to wherever my family is at a moment's notice. Um, so that's kind of how I got into here. Do you want me to keep going into like where I am now? That's, I mean, I ended there of like a year and a half ago, but whatever you feel. I know yeah, that was, I mean, that was extremely comprehensive. I appreciate both the depth and candidness. Um, I, there's a lot to touch on so it'll be interesting to see how i parse through it but i i kind of would be remiss if i didn't immediately address kind of the gravity of losing your grandparents and then having to step into that like man of the family leader role um at least in concept right like facing staring down the barrel of potentially like being the guy um you know matthew mcconaughey talks about you aren't you don't truly become a man until you your father dies because you're the you know the patriarch of the bloodline there's something kind of like a spiritual aspect there um recently uh, somebody i look up to aubrey marcus also lost his dad he's talked about kind of the ritualistic nature of becoming that man and like you think you're a man you you can even have your own kids but like that moment and i've witnessed it kind of like heavily shake my dad losing his dad and so forward casting to what that could potentially do to me i'm curious as somebody basically uh, identical in age what was that experience like and how has that meditation on death shifted how you live your life outside of yeah. just the business yeah so i'll start with essentially like my process there of like dealing with everything um because a lot of the developments of what you're talking about like i feel really strongly about and have had major realizations and just kind of like repatternings in myself um because of that because yes it was i was 
actually i'll just i'll just start from that point so like i said um and they they actually died like within like i don't know a week or two of one another so my mother's mom died december died christmas eve 2020 and my father's mom died um first week of january and so through that whole process um like i said i was basically the strong point there because it's like okay my grandfather who's still the patriarch um my grandfather lost his wife of 50 years um my dad who had already lost his father before lost his only other parent my mom who was had an incredible connection and a very deeply emotional um, and motherly figure lost her strongest motherly figure right um and then anyone else in the family is okay like my mother's sister they're dealing with much the same thing um i'm the oldest of my brother and cousins there's four of us total um but my brother's now he's like three years two of my cousins are three my brother and my other cousin are three years younger than me and the other one's like 18 now so was even younger at that time um so i'm definitely really looking into it as like, okay, I'm the person to make sure everybody is okay and, and hold, hold the weight, hold the line here, um, where any gaps need to be filled. So through the funeral, um, was there in my family, like I would say really handled that well, um, from a, like being there and dealing with it, like my family has so much joy and, and thankfully because of our beliefs and, and knowledge in God, specifically um, my mother's side of the family, like we're like smiling and laughing and yes, of course crying, but smiling and laughing for like what was literally like a six hour um, viewing and, and service and whatnot, because um, you know, thankfully we were blessed to, or my grandparents were blessed to touch a lot of people's lives and we've touched a lot of people's lives, I guess there. Um, and then dealing with the, the other ground having like, there were some specific moments where, um, both actually to note for me, both of my grandmothers, I know while they were living as well, were two of my biggest, how should I say spiritual advocates where, for example, my mom's mom was like, what like Christian, I don't know how to call it like doctrine or like eat, pray, love type, like live, laugh, love is what I meant to say. Christians would be like, she was like my prayer warrior, but like actually very powerful on a spiritual standpoint. And I knew that about her, um, like almost not quite Mother Teresa, but like literally she had a long ass list of people that she prayed for and was like taken care of and stuff. So that was like losing that I knew. And then my other grandmother um, was, and you know, maybe we can talk about this a little bit later, was more on the like spiritual side. Um, like she raised us with like a lot of like Native American ideologies or thoughts about nature and things like that. Um, and literally my friends called her like Disney grandma, um, cause she was kind of behaved and had like that Disney atmosphere to her. Um, and literally when I had to say goodbye and at this point, like taking care of her, she was pretty much semi-conscious 
didn't really know where she was, stuff like that. Like that of what you would expect, you know, for like a dementia, like Alzheimer's person, but just was sick and so out of it. Um, but literally, as I was telling her goodbye, like locked back on to me and conscious. And essentially, um, I have the exact message, like written down everything, but certainly the feeling and, and understanding that she conveyed was burned in my mind, like locked on, like grabs my hands. And it's like, Will, you're the best thing in my world. I love you so much. I know you're doing incredible things and you're doing what you're supposed to. And like says it like this, so frank and serious and obviously conveying love too. Um, keep doing you. I love you. I'll see you do well with college. Basically that sentiment, right? And floored me and my aunt was the only one who kind of witnessed it right and obviously brought tears to both of our eyes had to say goodbye there um and like i said i my grandmother died a couple of days later i came back home from college to spend some time with my family and then actually went back to college and for that period of time for pretty much that whole rest of the semester um that was when I don't even know if dealing with it was the proper word because I didn't handle it right. Um, didn't know how to handle it. And it's not, it's on no one but me. But of course, my friends were like, they were great and I love them. But uh, I don't know if you've ever gone through this or there's so many people who have gone through this. But um, it's like, I didn't really even want to be around them because I knew it wasn't normal. Like we're talking like I would wake i'm skipping a lot of class obviously but waking up and i would like sit down and cry in the shower like every morning right and all kinds of stuff like that um and basically like did all this stuff um thankfully i still like at that point and there's a whole nother i guess can of worms i could open through COVID and through all that process of taking care of my family, I actually, over the whole COVID process, I went from like 185 to 245. And then December, 2020, actually same month my grandmother died, decided this shit's not happening. So I did have that like one good element in my life where I was like turning my physical situation around a bit and working out. And that was a huge, um, definitely a huge anchor, but wasn't really dealing with or didn't know how to deal with stuff. So was dealing with all of that. Um, and essentially where it got even worse was when um, I think I might've came home for spring break and basically was like, Will, this isn't you. Fuck all that. Like, these are things like you can't be letting this get you down. And, and definitely what hadn't really dealt with anything or gone through everything I needed to and said, okay, we're coming back to campus. We're going hard, you know, like party. And right. I was, um, my whole life had been pretty much like, okay, high energy, um, high motor person, like loves to dance, et cetera. Not even like party frat bro type stuff, but just, um, you know, have a good time and be a chauffeur of good times you could say and so had that moment over spring break was like oh fuck that like we're coming back and we're gonna we're gonna live how we live which was horrible um because i started drinking again 
And from that standpoint, like literally, uh, and really not even cognizant of it when it was happening, but like every time I drank, I was blacking out, um, which I had never done ever intentionally. And it still wasn't even intentionally, but never, like never had previously happened. And like literally wasn't even, like I was like a shell of a person really. And bottom line, a very weak man. Um, and so basically just had the whole down spiral there kept just fucking up in different ways, classes, life, friends, et cetera. Um, and got to literally like lowest point and, and came home for the summer and was literally at the point, like, and this is where I haven't even thought or talked about this in a while, but like the whole depression thing, like, I don't really know what else to call it. Cause at that point in my life, I was like deeply depressed. Like, staying in bed all day um knew i wanted to get out and was was trying to get out but just had no energy whatsoever and even got to the point where like i had a gun loaded like a loaded gun and put i say like three rounds in the ground so like i was going to kill myself and and shot instead into the ground um and essentially use the personal development stuff um, to help me and, and like pull me out and like specifically there was a couple a couple good um, guys like there was I saved clips and like that was when I really unknowingly at the time started heavily programming myself to like I programmed myself to get out of that deep deep hole right like literally that hole almost I guess to the grave and what I did was I would watch um, a, it was a Joe Rogan video, a Kevin Hart video that was from Joe Rogan and a like one other clip that was like a prayer. Um, and so the Joe Rogan video, it, it's, I'm sure you've probably seen it. So many people have seen it. It's where it's like, you know, your life is your own movie no matter whether good stuff or bad has happened, you decide exactly what it's supposed to be. It doesn't matter if you fucked up, you keep forward, leave that there and keep forward and create your new scenes, like make it the movie that you want to watch. So is, if you're in a bad part right now, why does that matter? Or, or throw that away and decide, actively decide and do that. And I would just watch that on repeat. The other one was, uh, it's a Kevin Hart clip. It's like a pretty like somber, serious clip, but he's like, uh, I don't know if I remember the whole thing. And of course, like I can share him with you too, because I still have him on my phone. But it was, uh, it's the, the sun going to shine, essentially, is what he says, where it's the sun, like, no matter what you do, what you go through, what happens to you, that sun is going to be there in the morning, sun going to shine, right? And essentially program and Jordan Peterson helped me do a lot too with like the loss and, and family and whatever fuck ups um, from the spiral as well. But like those three specific things, I just hammered into myself and getting habits and whatnot. Um, and this is, that would have all been, this is like 2021 basically. Um, and so that fall semester 2021 was like my first step back into like a more positive reality. Um, so there's that as far as like actually dealing with the whole loss um, and my relationship there, like with like 
I guess the loss and the grandmothers now, I like couldn't be better. Um, of course, like there are moments where like we had mother's day and, you know, I saw my family like be sad about not having their mothers or their grandmothers. Right. Um, but there's also beautiful moments where it's like, I know, and I think of ter- things in terms of like, obviously like you have what there's so many like common phrases, like, Oh, people watching over you in heaven. Or like, I literally have the two ancestors that I knew and loved and still love deeply, like, watching me and around me and looking out for me right so like i take it from that perspective and honor them and think about honoring them actively in so many different ways right um but then to go back to what you were talking about of like dealing with the the father and and standing in as the patriarch that was one of the things especially as like i had to pull myself out really um of that before i could dive into any more of like the other stuff like i had to pull myself out there um before you can really do anything else and so for anybody who's in that situation like that's where i would put everything is pull yourself out um what's the phrase you can't you know you can't pour from an empty cup right like my cup was fucking drained um but anyways quickly realized um through both my parents you know, literally having to take them to the emergency room and my grandfather, like having his wife die, like he's the only one left and he is the true patriarch in my family. Um, and, and like, even with that, like, obviously I'm not shitting on any of the other men in my family. Like I love my father. I love my uncles. Um, but with what, with the values I've been raised as my cousins and the people that we will continue like, we're all meant to do great things and on a great track. And that requires an even higher level of man than, you know, maybe what my father is right now, where my own dad had a lot of um, traumatic childhood shit and stuff he had to deal with, et cetera, um, that affects him in different ways. And so it's just like stepping up to higher levels where I know, like, and I'll be like, this is one of the, in the last probably six to eight months developments is like, um, I love and, and because I think in terms of like ancestors and my grandmothers and whatnot, like, and think about like what went into everything for me to get here, like my mission, not even just as a patriarch, but as a member of the family is to become the best in the bloodline. Right. So like, that's in terms of what I think of now is going above and beyond in those areas and preparing for that standpoint. Um, and that's the way really I think about it is, is I'm in that preparation. Like everything I do is preparing for mainly two things. It's for that being that man, um, that's the highest of bloodline, the patriarch, the, the creator and founder, even like, like I study fathers of like great families and stuff like that. So like whether you're like team, like, oh, fuck the world elites or whatever, or not, like the Rothschild family, like he had five sons and sent his sons out to do great things. And they really did some freaking great things, right? Like those are things I study in that term. And then also it's like preparing for the equivalent wife. And like, so those are the two things I prepare for and like always kind of have on my mind and approach. Um, Once again, I know that was, a little long-winded or, or comprehensive as you kindly put but hopefully that addresses it there no definitely i think you're uh 
a man after my own heart in that sense. Like I feel like we share the, I'm starting to kind of like develop a thesis on it and I'm terming it like the cross of self-awareness. I think that's the best metaphor where it is both your crown of thorns, but also your salvation. And like it allows you, like if you have this kind of remarkable level of self-awareness where like we're stuck in our heads all the time, we think deeply about everything and then we think about thinking and then we think about how does that affect, right? So like it, it, it can sometimes border on the negative of like the neuroticism, but it allows you to access depths of thought patterns and yourself and the world around you that some people just simply won't even um, see in their entire life. And so uh, we're kindred spirits, I think, in that sense. So uh, um, I'm happy to let you go because I tend to ramble. I mean, it's pretty self-aggrandizing to have a podcast in the first place. So um, I appreciate your vulnerability and I think it's super powerful. And similar to reading, I love having these conversations because in my life, I will live thousands of lives through the books that I read. And then you know, we are the same age. So by hearing your story, sharing it in this moment and hopefully, you know, moments in the future, it's like I get to learn from your experience um, without having to feel that pain and hopefully just, you know, continue to accrue all these lessons. And that's exactly what sharing it does as well. It's like anyone listening to this gets to apply whatever is relevant to them. Um, a lot, obviously, to unpack there as well. Um, I like I like the concept of like being the strongest in the bloodline and it, it's kind of this like crazy synchronicity. Um, cause I had this long conversation yesterday. Uh, I catch up with this friend. I'll shout him out. Ryan, I uh, we, he does a podcast as well. We're kind of connecting, um, in this internet space, both in a similar kind of growth stage. So we do like, you know, every week we'll call the catch up, see how we're doing, whatever. And he kind of prompted our conversation yesterday. He's like, why do you feel like you were called quote unquote, and you alluded to this at the very beginning. And I wanted to kind of circle back. Like you feel like you're being called, like you were given all these things to do something great. And it was that early programming where your mom was saying like, you're going to do big things. And I told him, I was like, you know, for all the faults of like my relationship with my parents um, and things that I can point out, like I wish that my dad did differently or was showed up for me in whatever X, Y, and Z way. I told him that he gave me a superpower and it was that from a very early age, like he was saying, like, you can do anything you want to do. And yeah. of course, even at that time, like we're a kid, so you can't really receive it on a conscious level. You're just like, yeah, like all parents say that, you know, every kid's going to get told they're smart, they're special, they're going to do great things. But like the power of that programming, and then you start to learn about the subconscious mind. And like, that is a superpower. It was imbued with me so early on that like when it comes to stepping out and taking risks like putting yourself out there entering the arena as i like to say um it was never a question there was never a doubt and like there was no fear i, ha I got this weird text i have this shared um kind of a, almost a shared birthday with a good friend that i grew up with he's the 16th and i'm the 18th so we text each other on the 17th as this like armistice day so we don't have to do the back and forth and so we were kind of like, you know, congratulating, congratulating each other on not dying. And um, he was saying like, at the end of his text, basically, it was like, you're braver than most. And it was a weird compliment. I've never received that. And, it, and I don't consider myself a brave person, but I can definitely see from the perspective of many, like stepping out into the world, like sharing your voice, putting yourself out there. It can be kind of this thing. But again, I don't see myself as brave because there's no fear 
because of that programming. Like that's why it was a superpower from the very beginning. And then to speak on kind of what you're talking about, like the calling, like, yeah, for whatever reason, we're given all of these attributes all at the same time. And it would be kind of like to spit in the face of God, our parents that sacrificed so much, their parents before them to not enter the arena and try to do something good with it. Um, and it's so awesome to hear your story and like feel your energy and character because and this is the final point from from me before I swing it back is that like as and I'm sure you've probably already experienced it, but like you start to meet these people that you pedestalize because like, holy shit, they're doing really well in online business. They're doing this lifestyle that I want. And then you meet them and you unfortunately find out like you alluded to, there's a lot of scammers out there, like low character dudes that just aren't the person that they portray online. It's pretty heartbreaking. And for me, it's it's less about fulfilling my dreams of like who I think they want I want them to be and more about the longer vision of like what are the role models that are out there and if this is the character of those people and it continues to be reaffirmed and like we live in a cancel culture but like if there's always something to cancel people for are there no heroes anymore like true heroes and so it's important and it's why like this platform matters to me it's why i want to win in the long term and people i want people like you to like really get like obnoxiously large so that people can have somebody to look at and say like you can win and also be somebody of high character like strive to be virtuous strive to be morally bound family man like it's the only thing that's going to save this like kind of grander spiritual war if you will like of the good and evil the elites all that stuff and you know i live in the self-mastery camp where like the world is a projection of the mind so i think that like good and evil is a battle within um, and then it's projected outward in, in what we receive from the world. But that's not to say that the things around us aren't happening. It's just that like, it's going to take people like yourself. I'll put myself in the same camp again, a little self-aggrandizing, but like, I don't know, it's very important. And, and it like, clearly you can tell, like, it, it really fires me up because to see another person doing it, right? Like if I stumble and fall and like disappear, the account gets blocked, whatever, like I get shot down. Like there's other soldiers out there fucking doing it, you know, like it, it fires me up so much. And then what's also awesome is like, I, I meditate on death all the time. It's why I kind of asked that. Like I have a memento mori penned here mm -hmm. in my arm. It's like the outro of this podcast. And I, all of my decisions are kind of through that heuristic of like, if I were to die, when I put my head down today, Am I satisfied with not only how I live that day, but my life to that point? And now that I'm doing this, I can finally say yes, because like the feedback, even on the very small platform as it stands right now, like people have told me like, you know, I mean, you've probably seen it, like getting swipe ups on your story, DMs, like stuff like I didn't think about it this way. And now that I, I'm actually working with people, like it's the way I make money with my program, like. I get to spend 12 weeks and then on with these guys, like giving them the tools that helped me, um, helping them change mindsets. Like if, if it were, if I were to get erased, I've already given the tools that like helped me to other people. Like, like it's so, I don't know. And that's why it's, I want to get into your kind of work with congruence talking about being purpose driven, because I think that there is very much shiny object syndrome with, online entrepreneurship and even some of the questions we got which we'll get into the q a at the end by the way to the audience i should have said that at the beginning as like a, a hook but we're going to do the q a kind of at the end for those that asked but um 
a lot of the a good amount of questions from people that follow you are are interested in your lifestyle, which like willingly so you have a great Instagram and like there's a lot of allure there. But I think <laughs> that with people our age, it's a combination of a lot of things that come with like the pride of male youth. But like there's a temptation for a lot, like the watch, the car, the girls, whatever. But I think that like wealth is this like it's the it's the it's a false mountain. You think you're climbing the mountain and you get to a certain place and like you're in the Ferrari and you're still depressed. It's why like I preach on the gospel of like self-mastery because like you have to do the work on you because you can't run from yourself. It doesn't matter how much money you accumulate and all these things. So I think that's why like your work, like the money is like an energetic tool for you to use and like grow the platform. It's necessary to move in our world. It's not to say that we should be like non attachment monks and like de de deny all material things but i mean yeah. you get it like it's i think that you see that higher calling and i, I kind of want to touch on that so I, I guess that'll be a jumping off point like with the work that you're doing how do you see the kind of web of all the things that you're working on tying together and then what is kind of your north star vision for what you want to share with the world Big yeah question yeah so all good um and actually like that's really where the name congruency comes from um so i guess to kind of cover that expanse of everything um you just mentioned is part of the name for being congruency is because i am now at the point in my life where everything is congruent um and Part of the way I do things is I like to explain things in a multitude of ways because uh, one of the best phrases I ever heard was from a basketball coach where I had gone to a camp and learned a bunch of stuff and just realized it was the same shit he was telling me um, the other time. And I came back home. And I was like, coach, I understand now. I'm sorry. I understand what you were saying. He goes, it's all right, Will. Same shit, different ass. And, you know, so I like to approach things from a bunch of different uh, perspectives there. But there is a famous Japanese warrior philosopher, Miyamoto Musashi. I don't know if you're familiar or not, but one of his biggest concepts and, and key phrases that he says is there is nothing but the road. And putting that in another way, I've prayed to God for as long as I can remember that he would always keep me on his path for me. And so when I say the road or when I say his path or another thing I call it is the synchronous path in terms of like synchronicity, um, all of that or the con like just living in congruency means the same thing where everything I do in my life is connected to my purpose in a deeper mission. Um, so through that, like essentially there, the approach is, and when I say everything too, I, it's, it's wild sometimes how, I mean, everything, um, like even watching a movie or something, but to get back to it there, it's like, okay, my best friends, we're doing business together. We're traveling together. They're the people I spend time with. It's not just like, okay, my friends are separate. My work is separate. Um, whatever else, A, B, X, Y, Z is separate. Excuse me. Um, and that term, like, to kind of break down this recent month, right? I was in Bali. And for 
business and the desire to travel and be global. And one of my most fulfilling things is showing others places I love and providing them good experiences. The first two weeks I was in Bali, I showed these friends who had never been this beautiful island, introduced them to people I met there before, the beautiful Balinese people I love. Um, you know, I worked out with them. We're covering almost all the bases there. And it's it's a congruent life. And it's some of the deepest, most, like it is the deepest fulfillment I've ever received um, in terms of having your life be congruent there. Um, and essentially then, all my biggest focus is, is staying per Musashi, staying on this road. Um, if you want to put it in a faith spiritual standpoint, it's doing more of what brings me close to God and doing less of what um, takes me away from him. Um, so to, to dive into a little what, what that means about staying on the road um, is, okay, what do I need to do? What, I'll address first what, what keeps me from the road. So from a habit standpoint, it's something as simple as, okay, distraction. Like we're not going to scroll social media because once again, we're called to greatness. Um, and we need to do things not just for ourselves, but for the others that we need, we know we're going to impact and want, like you addressed earlier as really in a, like, I think of it too, like in a, a war in a spiritual war way, like, right. I know part of my mission as well with this is to, I say like, not exactly like wake up sheep, but rather wake up the sleeping lions is what I like to say. Um, so bring more warriors um, with us. And so I do that really through all of this and living. And I know I've strayed from the original question here. Um, but with that, it's like, okay, I get fulfillment um, referring back to congruency and, and back to the road. Um, everything in my life works with one another. The business, like I'm working with Arlen Moore and Tribe um, with a group of more than 400 young entrepreneurs, online entrepreneurs um, who are traveling around the world or want to, you know, basically be doing that. Um and that's deeply fulfilling to me um, just from discovering a fulfillment thing because that tribe is one of the vehicles that really helped me to get to where I am today. So I care about helping others do the same if that is their you know, goal and desire. Um, from a fitness perspective, basically, right? Like I'm working out with other people who are, how shall I say, extremely physically fit, um, not just to be fit because they know, but because they know um, one of their tenets is like they need to be. Um, and like, I recognize, like I still work out now and I'm going to keep working out because I recognize that my body is not at the point where it's called to be. Um, one of my personal mantras is a man should be a warrior, an artist and a philosopher. Um, and I think that's like Thucydides or maybe some military commander. Um, but like, okay, I don't, I'm not the ultimate warrior right now or, or whatever you want to say. Um, it's congruent with that. And then my fun is, guess what? I'm traveling all around the world. I'm hanging out with people we enjoy. We're freaking riding dirt bikes on top of volcanoes. Um, I'm paragliding over South American cities, right? Like things like that. 
with these people that I'm working out with, with the people that I'm working with. Um, and it's like, it's fucking beautiful, man. Yeah. I, I mean, so much, uh, alignment there. And it's funny. It sounds like I love, like we, even before we hopped on the recording, like we were talking about, and you, you touched on it here too, like saying it in different words and kind of the like misnomer of like oversaturation, right? Like the, like entering this space. It sounds like we're doing extremely similar work and it's just like amazing because I, I think the world is so tremendously abundant and like what you're talking about, like waking up sleeping lions, like it's obviously going to sound extremely corny, but like I, I definitely see like my work as like saving souls, like you're basically bringing people into total congruence, as you say, like alignment with their mission, their purpose, their master vision. Um, because there's no wrong time, like in your life, you know, like I, I think it's bet like products like this are it's awesome for me. Like when I get to work with younger guys, like in university or even before, but you know, I've also worked with guys that are in their like thirties and forties where it's like, they got down the road, like we alluded to before, of what they perceive to be the mountain, this financial success, business success, whatever. And you get there and it's like, why doesn't it feel full? And you and I have business aspirations. I certainly expect myself over a long enough time horizon to accumulate a ton of like material wealth, but as a consequence of the work. And for me, it's like I hear enough of these guys from like literally King Solomon all the way to modern day entrepreneurs that said that's like King Solomon is like, that's almost my number one who I study. Yeah, dude. It's amazing. Like so many one-liners too. Um, but yeah, like he said, like, do not stack up silos with grain and expect yourself to be great. That is not where you're going to find your fulfillment. Um, and even if you do, you spend all this time and then you get there and I don't know. I, I what I always say to people is like there is no wrong time unless you just never do it. So it's like you get to 65 and you, you hear about kind of these like deathbed realizations, all these kind of things. So for me as like a young person, and I know you in a similar sense, like I choose to not be so arrogant to assume that I'm different and I'm not chasing the watch, the Lambo, the whatever, because I can just trust them and be like, Yeah, well, everyone's saying that's not gonna fill my cup. So like if it's not in alignment with me and for me like that's not part of my congruent mission statement for some people like maybe they just love cars and that is going to be something that fills their cup but like that's not part of my answer mine is much more you know like train physically spend time in the sun live like a vital life um share it with other people doing the same and then have this higher mission and it comes with you know, some of the material things whether it be money or a platform or audience or whatever yeah. And I just realized how far I actually ventured away from the original question there. Um, so I guess my bad for that one. Um, but like you said earlier, I have a, I also have a bit of a tendency to, to ramble on and go, go in a bit of different directions, but yeah, no, you're exactly right. And that's where like, for like the congruency, right. For like, for myself, actually putting it to like, say like Lamborghinis or whatever, like for me, I love speed. And so like, I know that's something like, yeah, I'm going to have these vehicles that will go fucking fast, right? Just like, that's where I can get just as much peace from jumping out of an airplane or going really fast as I can from some of my deepest meditations or, or whatever else, right? And I like, I get that fulfillment there. Um, 
but yeah, I'll let you kind of redirect the flow here. Um, no, you're good. I think uh, that's that's something well said, and it's paired with kind of what what we talked about with the the cross of self awareness. There was nothing wrong with any specific direction or lane. Like even if you want to choose something, what can a lot of people may bucket as mundane. But like if you are really really aware of why you're going into accounting law. Um, building an SMMA agency or whatever it may be that isn't like an artistic pursuit. It's not really romantic. Like I, I had Winston on uh, last mm. episode and he was talking about, I mean, like I, I was telling him that, you know, this concept of being a write, writer is very romantic. I think that's why people are like magnetically drawn to him and his platform online, because it's like to be a writer in the modern age, like to somehow like rekindle the arts and and i and it, like even for me it's like very romantic i like to think of like yourself it's like the philosopher the king the artist um all that stuff for me for me i talk about the philosopher king like the warrior poet obviously mm-hmm. being kind of that eastern tradition um and so yeah no i i think it, as long as you pair everything with the self-awareness that that's that is really really everything it's why like you know, the, the beginning of my program and the beginning of many of these like self mastery things is you start with you, like set your baseline, but ask yourself introspective questions. Like why do, what, what do I want for myself? Like write it out in granularity. And then the next step, like for me and the men that I work with is like, why do I want those things? Are those just mimetic desires that are like this reflection of, Oh, like so-and-so said that like, wealthy people drive Porsches. And so I want a Porsche, but like, do you want the Porsche? Do you just want to signal to other people that you're wealthy? Do you want to make 250 K a year? Or do you just want to be free with your time? Cause you, I'm telling you, you don't need 250 K to get there. Like it could be much less. I, I'm sure you're familiar with the, the story of the fisherman, um, where like the guy's fishing on the beach, the American basically Western guy comes in, starts asking all these questions. Yeah. Like, could you do X, Y, and Z? Why, why, why eventually gets to the place where he's already living the dream. Exactly. And he doesn't have to take this circuitous route to get there. Um, yeah. And it's, that's so, so similar because like that, the way I, I guess, you know, the, the kind of different way, same thing is like, I say like one of the most important things for all of us is getting clarity and getting absolute clarity. Right. Because just like you said, like pretty much, I mean, literally same thing where it's like, once you get absolute clarity on who you are, who you want to be, who you want around you and just really cover your bases there. Um, then you can layer back everything as far as getting even deeper on the self-awareness portion of like, like you just said, do I want to portrait? Cause it's signaling is, do I need like, and you know, these are, I'm, I'm sure you probably deal with it as well Is like one of the things that's, that's on my mind, um, you know, goes in and out, but basically it's like the whole thing for like a girlfriend or, and like I, care deeply about family obviously and it's um you have to have a girlfriend first to get a wife right um but it's like okay i'm actively building and doing all these things do i feel like i need a girlfriend right now because that's what my friends are getting married or you know that's what guys my age are expected to have or is it because i know um you know, whatever reason, that's something I I deeply feel I'm ready for and I want. And right, you know, you can obviously address that from so many different angles and approach that to, and I recommend applying that to every single facet of your life of like, okay, is this something that's me or is this programmed into me or whatever you want to say? 
But yeah. yeah. And I think that you touched on something really important, which is that it's not a set it and forget it with any of this stuff. It, it's a returning, it's like a self audit that is almost like kind of continual. And once you're curating both your intuition and your self-awareness, it kind of runs in the background. I think like there are levels that are maybe naturally more predisposed, like your, yourself and myself. Like I've, I've always been this like just yeah. weird, like deep thinking old soul. You know, they say, they would say like, oh, he's mature right. for his age. Right. Like I've right. gotten that kind of feedback since I was like very, very young. Oh yeah. I always did better with adults growing up than honestly with kids. My I understood adults more than I understood the children. Yeah. At least I thought, right? Like, yeah, same. No, no, no. I, I got, I got all that same feedback, and like, I've always bought the byproduct of that is that like most people my age, at all of the ages up until now, including now, you know, just like there is no, there's not a tremendous amount of alignment, and so yeah, like the circles has stayed small, um, and you know, pairing it with self awareness, it becomes this kind of superpower as opposed to something that you're like, why am I a black sheep? Why am I alone? Um, and you like take value in that solitude. Yeah. So like constantly practicing that reflection of like, is this a mimetic desire or is this something that's deeply in tune with myself? And then the girlfriend thing, I, I do kind of want to touch on that. Cause I also have that conversation with myself and there's, there's like a dual nature to it where I want to be as respectful as possible to the person that I bring into my life, like in a serious way outside of like casual dating. And I also think about like, we are blessed as men that like, we are called to become something like, so our value is accumulating over time, but there is no timeline that we have to kind of solve that problem. But like, if we get involved with a girl at our age, and then, you know, we turn 25, 26, 27, like they are owed the respect that things need to get serious, especially if kids are in the equation soon, right? So for me, it's like, if I'm going to start dating a girl my age, seriously, within a number of years, like a handful of years, it needs to be very clear to her to be fair to her, whether or not this is going to go the distance. And like, when I look at my vision for, you know, a lot of guys, like the, it's memed, like the building the empire thing. Right. But like, I have very big goals, big enough that they scare even myself. So mm. I know that that's going to take time. Like it's on the order of five, 10, 15, 20 years. Um, and so I know that family can be done in parallel and there will be parts where that is true, but as far as the kind of a mobility that you're given when you're young and you're single and you can just always have that autonomy, I, I do go back and forth in my head and I wrestle with this battle where like, is it unfair of me to put myself out there? Because like, I don't know. I mean, you're, you're a young, successful guy. Like you've probably recognized that the access is pretty much limited on your like effort, right? Like the door is open when you try just like yeah. so for me it's like it, do i actually actively put myself out there and it, is it unfair to them um and i don't know there's not like really a right answer but I, what i've tried to kind of circle back to is that always leaning on intuition and like that yeah. feeling super underrated like it, it you have to just know what feels right in that moment because there isn't going to be an age where it's like okay green light start dating it'll just be like it feels like i need to like have this life partner and like build that part of my life out yeah and we like we are so very similar on that aspect where like um you've probably already thought of it this way but i've described it to multiple people and actually arlen and i were talking about this like a week or so ago and one of my other uh one of my best friends henry purchase and i 
Um, he has a girlfriend. So like, you know, I ask my friends who have girlfriends, especially if they've been dating for a long time, like all their perspectives. Cause my biggest, I don't even know if it's a debate, but like the biggest, or even a battle, like the biggest dynamic I have is I'm trying to make this look good in the camera is I have this side is like build wife, family, go absolutely nuts, like producing whatever you want to say, high level, high value, et cetera, right? Like just put some great metrics on it as far as family goes and then conquer, build businesses on this side. And it's just like, you know, I have one of these. And honestly, I'm at the point now where I recognize, like you said, it can go like this. Um, but like, those are my two biggest things. Like I have like, okay, because obviously, right? Like, it's not like you can just straight jump into wife, family, like there has to be a lot of the effort, but almost all the effort right now is going into, you know, the conquer, the business, the whatever build, right? Just build overall. Um, but then just like you said, man, like um, whether it's now or later, like talking about intuition, like I operate honestly, shit, I don't know if I had to put it percent out, maybe like, major decisions and moves in the way I live my life is probably like 80 or 90% intuition based. And so actually it's, it's kind of cool. And I'm, I'm certainly like eager for it. Um, for whatever reason this year, I have, I have a solid feeling like, Hey, I think maybe a longer term relationship is something that, that will probably happen this year. So who knows? Obviously it's, it's not happening right now, but, um, it's kind of funny that, you know, we talk about this too, because every time I put like, ask me a question in my story, I get like at least one who's like, Oh, are you currently seeing anyone? Or, um, and that'll be like, you know, some, like a, like a dumbass friend is messing or something, or it'll be like, Hey, are you single? Right. Like something like that. And it's like, I haven't answered that one yet. So I, I guess I'll answer here, like currently open, um, but also building, um, whatever you want to say, but yeah, man. Um, definitely a lot just a shit down alignment there too it sounds like yeah no that's funny uh i think unfortunately you're not going to be advertising to a very female <laughs> audience here <laughs> that was kind of that was yeah uh, i had a feeling that was there but uh guys tell your friends tell your girlfriends yeah no, uh, no, I, I joke about like it, it is fun and I, I think that it almost allows like an interesting freedom too because like um there are discussions that i think are I don't know, like the masculine and feminine are inherently different. And I think like acknowledging the difference, but equally beautiful and beautifully different kind of thing is really important. Um, and I, I've had some female guests on the podcast now. I'm like reaching out to a bunch more because I think that having that dialogue is super important. It teaches me a lot about the world, like the female mind, but having like the discussion about it amongst men, like will give you the most clarity because like they're playing from your side and your perspective. Um and I think it's super important. And I also think that, you know, kind of what you were touching on and what I've observed with my previous past relationships and like, I'm sure you believe in like, you know, reciprocity and the mirror principle and like you receive in a partner who you are, like it's, ref it's a reflection, yeah. right? So yeah. every previous relationship that doesn't work, if you don't play the victim and don't play the blame game, it was like, it's ultimately a hundred percent your fault. You can't attract a red flag if you don't have it. Yeah. And there's so much to learn from it. And so now it's like, I think for me, the reason, uh, kind of an underlying reason um, to not get granular at the differences between each one, but like an underlying reason that like, I didn't attract this, like, 
ideal feminine partner that wants is ready to be like led gracefully in a direction that like I'm the leader of the family and all these things I have as an aspiration is because I didn't have the direction. Like there was no clarity. Like I could, I had the ambition. Like I've always felt like that kind of like the Alexander, like no one can defeat me in battle until I die kind of thing. And that's like a, you know, a self, maybe self-deluded, like egotistical thing to have, but like the ambition is there. But the direction, like how it was going to actualize, like being able to tell somebody like, this is where we're going. Would you like to join? That wasn't clear until now. Like I very much feel like it's crystallizing day by day. And so that moment and that kind of frame switch is going to allow and similar in your life, that person to walk in and be like, I get it. Like I not only see the ambition and I'm excited about all these things and attracted to like X, Y, and Z aspect, but it's like I can step into the frame and into the journey and be led in kind of like this massive direction. And I think you touched on that. And Arlen's talking a lot about this recently where like choosing the right person, it's like an accelerator as opposed to this detractory force. Cause you're kind of talking about how in your mind and in my mind as well, like they're potentially opposed because there's so many hours in the day you want to apply a ton of them to the care that your partner deserves, but it's also like, I need to be building. And like, I feel called for my purpose, but like, that is kind of the, you know, the inherent, and I'm sure you've read like David Data's Way of the Superior Man, like understanding what even is the purpose of masculine and feminine energy. Like we have as men more of that masculine energy. And so we needed to, to direct it somewhere. Like it's supposed to go out into the world to be a penetrative force, to overachieve, overcome all of these things. But without a direction, it's like, what do you just like scream at a TV for the sports game on the weekend? Like you need something to direct it at. And like, we are fortunate to be positioned at a very young age comparative to many people that we start, we're starting to see what that is, like where to aim all that energy and kind of like start battling towards. And I think that's just going to allow the doors to open for that partner that is on that similar energy level to kind of step in. And I think that's really bottom line. Just that ending is, Part of the reason I'm totally okay with it, and I guess the funny note is the only thing that really ever makes me feel like, ah, oh, shit, like maybe I do, is because I have my mom. I don't know if you get this or not, but my mom's mom are like, hey, Will, is there uh, you meet anyone lately? Is uh, anybody coming home to see us? Right, and she's just you know just in my ear like that. But like you said, like I'm, I'm great. Like I couldn't really be better like I, I'm just incredibly fulfilled I, I feel exceptional I don't I don't stress about it because I know that everything I'm doing right now in all areas is preparing for that equivalent woman like you said and so as I only get better I trust and believe she too is either you know getting better or just I have to I have to maybe work myself up to there whatever it might be. Yeah. I I also would call that out though. Um, It's an important limiting belief that I've recently start to recontextualize for myself is that you don't like reach a stage and I'm sure you're consciously aware of this, but like it's important to also know that like you don't fix all the issues so that you, then you're the person that like gets relationship. And And I've looked into like a lot of the actual like relational psychology stuff. I'm not sure if you're familiar with uh, Dr. Nicole LaPlera, but she's like the holistic psych on IG and Twitter. Amazing work. 
Oh yeah. Okay. Actually I am familiar. I knew the IG. Yeah. 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 Amazing stuff. And she talks about, you know, attachment styles, all these things. And the important thing to strive for is what's called like interdependence. So like mm-hmm. codependence, obviously nobody wants that where it's like one person is very dependent. Like they, they need the other person to exist. Hyper independence would be, I don't need a partner. In fact, I'm averse to vo- true vulnerability. And that could be from either party or one or the other. But interdependence is like, like I'm an incomplete person or like I haven't, you know, worked through all of my relational issues necessarily, but I'm going to heal them in this relationship. And I think that's a, that was a big realization for me is that like, I'm trying to do all these, this work to heal you know, the stuff that was passed to me, like generational trauma, quote unquote, like relational issues, um, whatever I bring to the table. Right. But there are actually things that I won't be able to fix outside of the context of a relationship because they only actually show themselves in the presence of a relationship because there's like that, like emotional depth and testing point. So preparing for somebody and trying to seek out a partner that is on that wavelength and is ready to do as Nicole puts it like the work with you um so that's kind of like an exciting prospect and it also helps you break that limiting belief that like i have to wait i have to wait till i'm at whatever and for like i think young men it's like we want to be providers we want to be protectors so maybe there's like limiting beliefs around like i need to make x amount of money or have x amount saved and there's all all kinds of like layers to it but i would say that like the important thing is that you're already at like such a high level of self-awareness and you know, that part, some, some person will be able to like actually recognize it. The important part is just knowing when it's, when it's time for you to set that intention, which is like the hard call to make. But I think, yeah, the intuition will tell you, you'll know. Yeah. Oh yeah. Must have. Well, I think, I mean, we could go on and on and on in any kind of direction, but I think it's worth getting into some of these questions because a few of them are deeper and open-ended. So so I, I kind of like ordered these in like a surface to like depth level. We'll, we'll do the opener question. This is from Holly. Um, she said, "Do you where do you see yourself in five weeks, five months, and five years?" Interesting. Um, yeah. So for five weeks, what is that? Like a month and a half, maybe something. Basically, yeah, midsummer. Uh yeah. So. For this one, it's it's kind of interesting. It's doing much the same as what I am. I know from a from a brand standpoint, like this month, I'm I'm back home in Ohio to see the family, but also to, um, I mean, I live I grew up in a town of like fifteen thousand people, so there's not a lot going on here to be honest. So, um, some projects and things of the work where I'll be talking like this and sharing a lot more on my personal, so that. Um, will they be there? Um, as far as location goes, um, somewhere in Europe, um, definitely within the Mediterranean. So whether that's Italy um, or Spain or maybe even Croatia um, would be as far as location goes. So I'll be in Europe um, or comma right now. Um, plan is to be in Europe. Who knows what might change? Um, so that's for five weeks. Five months puts us in what is it right now? It's five, so that'd be October, I think. Um, as far as location goes, plan is uh, once again right now to be in South America. Um, 
most likely based in Medellin. I lived there for like around two months earlier this year. Um, was a big fan, actually kind of um, huge realization. And I guess dependent on conditions, et cetera. But to me, it made no sense as to why I should really live in Florida when I can get exactly what I want as far as like living with um, great friends and these absolute killers that I, you know, we all live together and I bring together. But also, why would I live in somewhere like Florida, which is also a great environment and whatnot, um, when I can live in somewhere like Medellin, Colombia, um, when I can get a much, much higher quality of life um, at the same cost? So that's addressing that as far as like living and location. Um, and then from within Medellin travel to, you know, whether that be like Central America or other parts of South America. Um, and then as far as doing what there, um, really for most of this and, and doing part to congruency would be just continuing to build and do more of the same at higher levels too. So um, more clientele and uh, congruency, continuing to build and develop um, tribe in the community there, um, traveling at bigger scales and then especially um you know, essentially part of my focus this year is traveling at a much higher frequency than I will in the future um, because I am building relationships and knowledge and understanding in, in terms of a bunch of different locations to where, you know, I'll have bring people out on trips and experiences. So doing that, you know, definitely at that time in Colombia and other places in South America. Um, and then was it just five years next? Yeah. So, this is certainly something that's really interesting and I'm guessing probably on all of these, we, we could go a bit deeper, but I'm just going to touch on this. Um, it's, I've definitely like think about things in terms of like the future and that's definitely more near than far future, but you know, five years is way different than next year. Um, so right at one point it's who knows what the world will be like in five years, really, especially for, probably, you know, guys like you and I, or, um, a lot of the people in the space where, you know, we study like, okay, maybe like macro economic events or even global, um, movements, et cetera, right. Where it's like, Oh, hmm, who knows if there's going to be, you know, like a CBDC central bank, right. Like all kinds of bullshit like that. Um, but bottom line, the vision and plan for like five years in advance is, um, I would say by that point, so I would be 29, um, you know, almost 30 there. Um, in terms of family and relationships, I would generally be hard pressed to think I wouldn't have a wife. So wife and with what I, you know, the ambition and, and desire and plan, wife and children, um, so family um, would, to go back a little bit to the, the whole travel thing, um, essentially I'm traveling more in terms of like one month or so at a time because one of my overarching purposes for traveling at that frequency this year is to establish the three or four locations that I will rotate between with maybe, you know, some smaller explanation, ex, uh, exploration in there so by that time would also be 
um, you know, owning the villas or generally places I'm staying in those locations. Um, I'd like to move my family to a main one. Um, so whatever that consists of uh, and just essentially grow, you know, through brand and through different business and projects, um, grow that exponentially, right? Because the more you impact, um, the better in terms of impact and, and also, you know, who I'm working with. Um, I want to bring, you know, guys like you and other great friends I have um, and, and people I know working, you know, at higher scales, but also bring those people with me. We're, you know, doing business together in different forms, whatever that may be. Um, but generally what I tell people most of like, you know, you and I discussed uh, before we even started this was working within the niche of essentially like community travel and experience um, right now, specifically um, more focused within the realm of online business and those in the whole, like, you know, our side of the internet and business in the world. Um, certainly not against holding anyone back um, or limiting that. Um, but, you know, continuing to build and, and spread awareness of what I believe is going to greatly improve the world and people in it and, and make it a continually better place. And uh, really, if you want to put terms and put things in terms of like holy war or, or spiritual war, um, fight and benefit the good side. Um, yeah. I love so, yeah. Um, and I'm glad that you kind of touched, I, and I kind of probably predicted it as well, that like the important thing I think when, doing these future projections and like once you start to really really study the um like the art of visualization manifestation like these wisdom traditions you start to realize that you're tapping into a power that is like kind of imperceptibly larger than yourself and so trying to define ahead of time the how and obsessing over the how will limit the capacity of the universe to give you a, a better opportunity than you can perceive in the present moment. Um, right. And I think that's even like relationship, perfect example. If you get too granular about who you're looking for and like you're only limited to like, she has to be five, five, she has to have this hair color. She has to have this eye color. She has to be from this town. Like you are cutting off the unbelievably amazing person that could have surprised you beyond all belief. And I think that that applies to all arenas where I kind of reject the notion of like the five-year plan. I think a lot of people our age do. I think a lot of people our age do because they, they don't really have the forethought to like yeah. think. Or yeah, they don't even know the, the three-month, right? Yeah. Yeah. But I think that the five-year plan, like it's all about setting, yeah, like what is the high-level intention of where you want to be? Where do you want to be as a person? Like piece-wise, what do you want to, what do you want maybe like an individual day in five years to look like um, yeah. rather than- Sorry to sorry to interrupt, but if okay. I can even revisit that, like to touch within the community and maybe give people a better idea. Um, and this is actually something I wanted to bring up earlier. I recommend anybody who hasn't to read The Fountainhead first. Yes, um, Rand. Um, I tell a lot of people read that one first because it's a great example and understanding um, for those who know it and need it on how to live life. And then second is at the shrugged also by Ayn Rand on um, the, the approach and the, maybe the results and action side of things um, perhaps. So 
if you've read Ayn Rand, um, Atlas Shrugged, there's a part in there that they call Atlantis, um, where essentially it's a community of some of the greatest entrepreneurs and minds of the time um, in a number of different ways. And, and something that would be like, I would say probably within that five-year scope would building or be building or working within a, a community similar to that, where it's um, a people who know this is the way we want to live. Um, and, you know, diving in there, like explanation wise, probably going to be a bit longer than we want. Um, so we'll just say that um, building the community, working within it um, and establishing that. So like for within me, within that scope of like having these different areas across the world, possibly that community would interact and live and travel with one another that way. Like I know that's something I want to do is, um, you know, have essentially a community where it's all these different people who, you know, we're teaching each other's kids different lessons, et cetera, and moving and traveling in the ways that we know are best or best to prepare for the future, et cetera, whatever you want to say. But yeah, thanks for letting me revisit that for a second. Of course. Yeah. yeah. We're going to have to talk uh, after we finish this. I, I have some interesting things to share with you um, yeah. on that exact aspect. But yes, I also envisage a brighter tomorrow. I'm extremely long on the human spirit. I reject the uh, doom pill. And we haven't really talked about that. Uh, it's too kind of late in this episode. We'll probably begets a part two, but um, kind of this story arc of like awakening and getting into like the dark night of the soul as the spiritual yeah. community puts it. But you know, there's the dark night of the red pill, basically in any arena of life where like you, you learn so much about a thing that it's like, holy shit, there I'm I'm helpless. The elites have all the control. Like it's very scary, but I I've gotten past that. And I'm now in like the white pill, believe in the, the power of positivity, God, all this energy. And to just to interject on that one, the, um, you might've heard, I don't know if he said it since, but I actually met Sobra back in November and kind of asked him a similar question. And he had this great comment where Really, you you haven't helped yourself whatsoever, and you haven't changed for the better. If all you did was exchange CNN and Fox News for global elite and whatever else, so that was just something that for me was a great reframe for anybody else. You know, thinking yeah. about or maybe and, going. No, I think that's a good point to interject on. I think that is a different phraseology of exactly kind of my worldview and philosophy, and why I can will live and die on the hill of like the internal world is that like yeah. the truth is all of those things exist as much as you allow them into your world. So the same way that like, you know, most people our age could be like, yeah, okay. Mainstream media is controlled. Um, I'll turn it off. But like you get into the internet and like Twitter is now your internet uh, source for news, but then that can get really scary. And the truth is fear is always the control mechanism, but where does fear exist? It's only inside of you. So if you just don't right. even allow it to energetically touch you, like just reject that it even exists, only interact with the things that are real. And those are the only things that are real. And that gets into like a lot of like particle physics and like really crazy shit that like we won't go into here. But like, yeah, anyway, we are diverging, but certainly an important point to touch on, I think, um, in that kind of future projection, like where do you see yourself in the future? Um, I'll try to like quickly take my answers for those for like five weeks um for this summer i'm going to be back 
with my family, there's some stuff like moving my grandma out of her previous house because like her husband passed. Uh, my brother's graduating. He's engaged now, which is insane. Younger brother, by the way. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. So like kind of a mind altering thing to happen. And he's preparing to move into a house. So I'm going to like help him and his fiance prep that. So home family for the next five weeks. And then at the end of that five weeks, prepping for what will be my next location. Again, that is one of those where I feel kind of intuitively it's going to be someplace like vital coastline, uh, likely domestic, but potentially abroad. But I'm letting the place define itself over time and just kind of holding the intention of like the life that I want to be living at that time. Um, and then five months, kind of very similar to that as well. And then five years. Yeah. Like really, really big visions. We'll talk off air a little bit about that, but I want to long-term leverage my kind of, um, I don't know if on Twitter you've seen it kind of like your unfair advantage, like lean into the things that you were given to you as the mm. tool that makes you like wildly different. We talked before yeah. this started about the niche of one. And yeah. I think that for whatever reason, and there's a bunch of variables that went into it, whether it was like reading a ton as a kid, being raised by two lawyers, like articulation verbally and written is something that I was given. Um, and I'm continuing to like work on that craft. And so I want to be someone who is like actually facing the world and sharing these thoughts that we're talking about and helping people overcome at scale, whether that's talking at conferences, writing books, um, but being present in the public eye, not for vanity, but to help people at scale that I could never individually, you know, with coaching and whatever, like that offer is going to have to change over time because my bandwidth is limited. Um, but I really want to re measurably change the world and sh be an example, including kind of this community project that we'll talk about, but show people that there is a chance for a brighter tomorrow if you believe it to be so. And you have to master your internal world and it, and it becomes real as soon as you allow it to be um, and kind of get the collective consciousness out of states of fear, states of limiting belief, um, because it's transformed my life in a real way. And I want to get as many people there as possible. Yeah. Um, we'll probably won't get to the rest of these questions in this episode. We'll do a part two. I'll choose one from this list for the closer or the previous to the closers. And then we'll circle back. So if anyone is listening and they're like, Oh, my question didn't get answered. We have it written down or I have it written down and we'll do it as a part two. This can be the the hook for the next episode, but we want to give the respect to some of these deeper questions that they deserve and, you know, explore them at the, the depth that our linear thinking minds <laughs> tend to go into. So uh, let's say, yeah, let's, let's do this one. This is from Eli. He said, what are your best strategies for connecting with the higher power? Yeah. All right there. Um, so this actually, we might even do multiple um, because I feel like this one you can answer pretty succinctly and, and just cover the bases because the answer is found through the action. Um, so great question. By all means, of course, great question. Uh really best ways and, and modalities to do it, I would say, I could change my answer in you know, a minute or so, who knows, but I think three main things. So it's going to be um, meditation, meditation and prayer together, 
time and nature, aka creation, and time spent in love, meaning in loving environments with others you love, other strong people, um, environments, etc. Even like in in love with action. So like right, like you know people who like if your greatest thing is playing golf and like you get so much peace and freedom from that, then honestly, I say that's a way to connect. Um, and so to zoom in there, um, I view prayer and meditation almost as just two different sides of the same coin where I consider prayer, the discussion or talking and asking and the meditation to be the listening. Um, but also the meditation has the added benefit too of just the connecting or as in like in a sense of like connecting to God or the source or whatever language you want to use there. Um, and is also, you know, meditation to be used um, greatly or like I said, all these other activities that I guess I'll touch on in a second to, to clear the mind um, in order to better connect. Um, number two, as far as spending time in nature and, um, in creation, there is really like the important part is the natural world and the disconnect from the unnatural or the artificial. Um, so that's like doing things like grounding or walking in nature or, you know, swimming in the ocean, depending on where you are, right? Like basically getting in nature and specifically where you're a bit more like really what I would say best is going to be like as detached as possible. Um, so, you know, that's like right? Like one of the most esoteric and, and, and good things for connecting that I've done is literally like climbing a mountain. Um, I climbed a mount, uh, a volcano in Bali last year. Um, a guy named, uh, Jan Amstutz, um, climbed a mountain in Sequoia National Park. Um, that's like one of the most OG and then like cell phones don't work, etc. You're, you're living there, you're taking it all in. And like, you know, not to mention like meditating at the peak and stuff like that. Like that's, you know, just going to multiply. Um, but even just as simple as like going outside, walking barefoot in the grass, um, you know, without your phone and doing a little bit of something like that. And then number three, time spent in, in love and around those you love um, is going to be good where essentially you're in that flow state or the zone of like, um, you know, whether that's being really comfortable playing games with your family or in discussion with your loved ones, um, or you're playing basketball and going hard or in a workout or something like that. Um, or I mean, shit, we have shower thoughts for a reason. Like if a shower is a place where you find peace, um, and you're relaxing and actively like emptying your mind and end up being, you know, a receptive vessel, I guess, in that way, like that's a great place too. Um, but yeah, I would, honestly, that's you could you could go in on the minutia of all of those, but I think that covers it really. Yeah, I think to not rehash um, and to kind of maybe summarize, I think the important thing for anyone looking to connect to God or Source um, in the simplest way uh, is like true presence. I think all of your things talked about just being totally in it and you can't be it when you're in a consumptive state social media yeah. listening to a podcast listening to another person um or trying to like formulate responses to another person um so my answers are 
you know, solitude, which I think is important. Like you have to isolate yourself. Um, gratitude practices because they kind of bring this kind of state of abundance and then a state of creation where you're actually just genuinely outputting. And a lot of people don't have that outlet. Um, if they're not a creator, they don't put content out, but I would challenge people to find some way to do that. Like if you're not an artist, if you're not a writer, like sit down and try to write a poem, sit down and try to draw something. I, something in my program that's like really unique is I, I call it the Da Vinci project, but you actually have to make something with your hands, whether it's a drawing, a painting or something physical, like a carving or you know, a desk lamp or whatever it is. But over the 12 weeks, you actually make something from your mind in to reality and it, you see yourself as this kind of reality creator live so the act of creation whatever that is for you is a great way because like you said you're you're turning yourself or you're witnessing yourself be that conduit for god and source because those things are going through you and out into the world now in this actualized item that is physical um right but yeah, yeah. the underlying go, go ahead i was just saying that was gas yeah i love that um doing like you said, the, the Da Vinci, what was it? The Da Vinci project or Da Vinci yeah. work? I love that. Yeah. So good. Yeah. No, I, I just think it's, it's important to see yourself as a creator. And a lot of people, unless you're in a space that facilitates it, you have to sit down and, and work in the discipline of it, kind of recontextualize yourself. Um, and the easiest way to do that is by, like you said, it's in the action. So yeah, we could go on and on about that, but the biggest thing, the, the easiest ways are going to be you got to get alone and you got to get away from inputs. Um, so carve out quiet times. Like there was something very spiritual about mornings and evenings because it's like portals are opening. We don't have to go into like that crazy stuff. But on a very objective level, the world is quiet in the morning and the world is quiet at night because most people are going to bed and waking up. So if you want quiet time to meditate and true stillness, wake up a little bit extra early before your day starts or stay up really, really late into the night until everybody goes to bed, whatever floats your boat and fits your schedule. Those are times where you're going to be able to tap into that speed, that piece most effectively, in my opinion. And there are layers to it that you can get into layer about those kind of consciousness portals opening and closing. But yeah, I, I think look for that isolation in maybe those times of day, ideally connect it with nature. Because again, you're starting to witness kind of the unity of creation and something that is outside of yourself, but extremely powerful. Um, and then guess and check and, and don't expect an angel to come down and speak to you the first time you try. I think we, I, I went on a five day silent retreat for my birthday this year, looking for, to see what kind of challenge it would bring. And even on a conscious level, I knew nothing like that was going to happen. But on an unconscious level, I even observed in myself a little bit of that expectation. You know, like I wanted to hear the voice of God, um, something like that. But it's not really going to come to you necessarily. Sometimes it will be that level of clarity and gravity. But um, don't expect like your first time sitting down to meditate to be like entering another dimension. Yeah. It's be hard. I would say to be running all these things. Yeah. To tack on. Um, the presence literally just covers, you can say like the more time in presence, honestly, the more time you are probably closer to God. Um, so being present as much as possible, I would say is always the goal. Um, but specifically within that too, if you're, as you advance more and more, like I'll, I, I recommend, you know, some of the guys, um, you know, that I work with too, is to actually meditate 
when you have the most shit either mentally or just physically going on, because that's when it can be even more important to, you know, be present and find God there, but just to tack that on quickly. Yeah, no, that's good. And then my final note is uh, another strategy for me. Training has become equally spiritual as it is physical because you're kind of circumventing the mind by getting really, really in your body. It is hard to be anxious about the things going on tomorrow when you're sitting under a couple hundred pounds of a bench press or a squat um, or sprinting at full effort up a hill. So do something physically hard and you will be nowhere but doing that thing. It forces you to breathe heavily. Now you're not going to maybe get premonitions about X, Y, and Z, but the trickle down effects of exercise are very important, not just physically, but spiritually. So connecting to the higher power, I think has, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta game the system a little bit and trick the the monkey physical body into really clicking into that higher power. Yeah. Um, and then similarly, Logan asked another question, which is like the best way to tap into different spiritual vibrations, which I think we are kind of alluding to in that. And the second part of his question is the best way to explain that you are God slash can tap into those higher vibrations. I think it's like the Christ in you. And obviously your Christian perspective is going to be in language different, but like in the Bible, it's yeah. like made in the image of God. Right. And that's what I was going to say. Like, I don't know, like, and I, yeah, like, like we've already talked about plenty of times, like try to explain it in different ways. I think honestly, this one can be the easiest, the easiest approach is maybe to tackle it from the Christian side of things. Um, is like you said, made in the image of God, but also like um, really, if you want to use a different name for God within us, right? It's like the Holy Spirit, which in you know Christian doctrine pretty much is when when Jesus died, like and everything else, like that was where everyone you know got the Holy Spirit there. Um, and there's you know so many different parts of the body. Uh, sorry, the Bible where you can address like. You like we because of that Holy Spirit, like we are literally gods. And in that sense, I would say, and I'm not gonna go like all the way in depth there, is like, you know, the difference between us as gods and like big G God, right? Um, but in that same concept, like Eckhart Tolle also says things like uh right, like, okay, like the state of godliness is like pure presence you can approach it from that angle too um but like that would be probably the way that i would tend to explain it the most any other way would be like addressing the fact of what you'd have to like i would say require a bit more um time to talk about but basically it would be addressing the actual power of the mind and what humanity is actually capable of, which um, probably is a lot of like wading through different waters, just like, you know, getting into those consciousness portals and things like that. Um, definitely getting into the esoteric world a bit. Um, but right. You can, if you want to like, I would challenge maybe if, if the, the Christian explanation or anything like that doesn't work for you to look up like, you can just go on YouTube and look up like actually superhuman things. Like I'm sure there's some clickbaity titles as far as like, okay, like this monk 
Um, I actually, I just watched a video about this where it was like a Shaolin monk was doing like depthifying acts or literally like was causing through like intense focus and concentration, like burned a hole in a piece of paper of shit like that. Or like if you study the most successful humans ever, oftentimes they will call themselves gods. Like Egyptian pharaohs were supposed to be gods or like Alexander the Great, for example, one of the greatest conquerors ever viewed himself as a god. Um, I think same thing with Genghis Khan, right? Like there's a lot of that where it would be, you know, that might not be helpful for literally processing it, but just like you have placebo in medicine, um, there's the placebo in that as well, where um, you could probably get much enhanced effects just from proclaiming it or believing it. Yeah. Uh, I, we won't open that up because that could be maybe where we start off for the next podcast. Cause I love that world and like the power of the mind must not be understated, but I'm glad that you talked about Eckhart Tolle because I think he has a good contextualization, which is, and this is speaking kind of directly to Logan by proxy, anyone else that is also trying to articulate maybe to maybe it's members of family, other people that are talking to the things that they're starting to discover. The really important thing, and it's why I harp so much on speaking and writing and words is you have to divorce the dogmatic ideological tie to the words. And when you're trying to articulate it to somebody, you have to be sensitive to who you're talking to and what words work for them. So like, I love the word God, like, cause it's like that. So that's what I'll typically say, but I'll always be like, or universe or source or whatever. To, To just pause on this for a second. Actually, that's really, really helpful because I tend most not to say God, actually. And in and, and speaking like this, I will, and I do. But when I talk to God myself, I use Yahweh, which is actually in Hebrew means, I think, God within us. And so that's a really interesting note. And like, if you go back into like different Hebrew and like originally, like, you know, Jewish and answers like Adonai, Yahweh, um, Emmanuel, etc. Oh, wow. like there's a forgot yeah exactly a lot yeah like in outside um so yeah just to touch on that like that's what i use yahweh um personally which if you want to maybe dive into that that would be a good area of study for you too but to go back no no no. like i think it's all extremely linked and like the etymology and epistemology matters a lot because what you are starting to realize in me and like logan somebody like in my community that i talk to all the time so that's why he asked but like the what you start to discover is that the truth with a capital t or god with the big g it's the same across all of these different like dogmas religious schools whatever like and the reason you can be affirmed as opposed to disappointed by that truth is that like all of these different people groups kept kind of finding it and then re-describing it in ways that worked for the time um and like right now we live in the like the modern west so science is our god like it is brought up like the placebo what is now called placebo used to be called miracles and acts of God, but that is yeah. no longer in the collective consciousness. People don't magically heal themselves. We just take their data set out of the study because it's the placebo effect, but that's the power of the mind. That's the power of God acting in the moment. Um, anyway, we're definitely, the, the, this is important. I, I would love to like enter into the next episode um, with that kind of thing. So we're going to curtail this because I need to get to my closer questions and I think expecting people to drag too far into this um, 
would be a lot. Like I, I love these kind of conversations and I hope people have soldiered on to the two hour. Big, yeah. Big appreciation to everyone listening. Yeah, no, I, I always give shouts to like the soldiers that make it to like the two hour, three hour mark. Um, it's like the, va- the true, there's so much like value in these kind of conversations. So, you know, the real ones are making it this far. So big shouts and you guys are going to get all the, all the really good value. Cause we get to the Q and a at the end and, um, all right. So here are my closer questions. I ask every guest. I know that we haven't totally touched on, but they are, you know, somewhat related. Um, I, you know, my project, I work with men specifically. I think it's important that in our world, we have strong men. Um, you've kind of echoed that a lot of underlying the whole discussion has been like becoming you and I men that we are proud of and then can lead and build amazing things for the world. So in your eyes, what defines being a man? Yeah. So bottom line, um, I would say capability, to be honest. Um, and that's to, hmm. I'm going to go back to my personal mantra. A man should be an artist, a warrior, and a philosopher. And like, if you break those down, they're definitely going to cover what I'm going to say now. But like, just to list out areas of capability, it's going to be protect, serve, lead, communicate, um, teach, and yeah, and conquer slash produce slash build. Um, that's, that's really what I would say there. And, um, you know, capable means proficient as well. And I would encourage everyone to pursue greatness and as much as they can, right? Like, so for me, example, right. And I am definitely intense as a person, but I'm not going to discourage anyone else from not also not being intent. Like you should be intense and and go to the extreme route. Um, But like, for example, in terms of being a warrior um, and fighting, I don't want to just be able to defend myself or my family from the average man Um, in terms of like hand to hand combat or like putting into like kickboxing or Muay Thai or MMA, right? Like I want to be able to defend my family from the black belts not just the average, right? Um, And apply that across the board, right? Um, You should be proficient in many things. And if you want to go to the, how should I say, the uh, other side of it, it's where there's the whole quote where, you know, you should be smart and strong because if, oh shit, what's the original quote? It's where our thinking will be done by those who are weak and our wars be, will be fought by those who are, you know, just dumb or whatever. I just totally paraphrased and misquoted that, but I'm guessing, you know, we can look that up and put that in or something. Um, but that was always the thing. Like I grew up definitely like realizing, yeah, I'm nerdy in a lot of ways. Um, but also um, not, and I wasn't definitely thinking in this, this pattern now, but like, you need to be start smart and strong to be the most capable. Um, but, you know, I just wanted to be, I guess, strong or athletic because it was cool, um, which ended up working out. And I think it's, you know, partially a good good thing to reinforce. Um, but, yeah, definitely covered that a little bit of a, a stringent way. But, yeah, 
No, I, I like that answer. And uh, yeah, I mean, it brings the conversation full circle, right? Like warrior, poet, philosopher, king, scholar, athlete. You need to be a balanced man in the context of the business I'm building, a renaissance man, a Vitruvian man. Um, you know, the slogan or motto of my company is like, be the renaissance, like embody the movement you would like to see, like live yeah. the, re the rebirth that you want to see in the world. Um, so I love that. And then the second question of three, which is if you could go back to a younger version of yourself, maybe that version of yourself where you're deep in the pits of depression, maybe even younger, um, what would you, what would that one and tell him one thing, what would that one thing be? Honestly, so I'm I'm not going to go back to the depression or like, you know, dark night of the soul type areas. Uh, I'm going back to when I first started playing basketball and actually like uh, even around like an early high school me. And because I saw the world through and like got into all of this through basketball and the personal development and the ways of thinking and the self-awareness. Um it would be to not care what others thought more and reinforce that with the fact um, that even though someone might be older or in a position of authority or something like that, right? That doesn't mean they know what's best or, and this, I guess you could take a hundred different negative ways. Um, what's best for you or even they don't know more of what I mean is what you can do. So like applying this personally, I know this because I know myself, which is probably getting deeper into this than we need to. Um, I know by saying this, I'm going to change my thinking processes from that time way earlier, which would overall accelerate everything else in life. Um, specifically like what I'm referring to is like, um, there was one moment in like junior or senior year where I trained a whole summer of a mid range jump shot, um, and became pretty lethal at it. Right. But literally because I was such a rule follower or perfectionist or whatever model student or athlete or whatever you want to say. Um, because my coach said he didn't want me shooting and taking any of those shots, I never shot. Him. And even though it was probably um, just, I mean, in basketball terms, I was pretty good at shooting overall, but was something I put huge work into, I know would have been very effective. Um, I really just shouldn't have listened there. And there's so many other examples. So it's not like, oh, fuck everybody else, do what you want. Um, it's just having that understanding um, was one of the best thinking patterns. I guess I updated in my software, you could say. Yeah. I love that. The idea of like your life is yours to live. You like, don't be some like caricature or fit into a box. Somebody else is telling you because it's like the Jim Carrey thing. He's giving the commencement at whatever university he's talking about his father. And he's like, my dad failed at living somebody else's life. He uh, he failed at living somebody else's life, meaning you can fail at doing something you don't want to try or being a person you don't want to be. So why not try to be yourself? Um, and it comes with that unabashed, fuck it, 
I'm going to be me and I don't need to think on the thoughts of what other people think. And especially that goes into the full circle again with the intuition thing, you know, trusting deeply your sense of self. And that's a, a skill to curate over time, certainly. And the earlier you can start it, the better. And then finally, the last quote is, or the last question is, I'm a big quote guy, big words guy, and I think you are similar in that sense. So I'm curious, what is one quote that's always stuck with you or that you try to live by? I'm going to break your rule and I'm going to do two. Um, <laughs> not not the first to do it. Yeah, okay, good. Because um, I think they encapsulate one another. And I have, maybe, I mean, you've heard me say the man should be a warrior, artist, and philosopher. Um, that's one of my other personal mantras. So like, I'll say one mantra and one quote. Um, probably my longest, the mantra that I've had the oh shit, man, I see it now. I want to do another mantra. Um, but we'll just do this one. One of the mon my longest held mantras, um, is sick parvis magna. I actually got it from a video game. Um, but it's originally from Sir Francis Drake. Um, video game was uncharted for anybody who played. Um, but it's sick parvis magna, which means greatness from small beginnings. Um, and, you know, I never even got into this part, I guess, but like I was lived in and out of the hospital till I was five, pretty much. I'm deaf in one ear. I have one kidney that works amongst a myriad of other things um, that I've dealt with. And, and obviously, you know, you heard some of the other shit that I've gone through. Um, so your small beginning could be in any area um, that has, you know, no determination on what you can do. So greatness is always the pursuit and always what should become. So that's the mantra. And then coincidentally, also from the same video game, um, is it's by T.E. Lawrence, otherwise known as Lawrence of Arabia. Um, it's the dreamers of the day are dangerous men for they act their dreams with open eyes to make them possible. So that is one of my personal angers and favorite quotes is because I'm a dreamer of the day and I know I'm going to dream my, um, see now I can't recall what the quote was, pull it out of there, but I'm going to, you know, uh, live my dreams with open eyes and be a dreamer of the day. So I would encourage all of you to, you know, live by sick parvis magna and be dreams of the day. I love it. I can't think of a more poetic way to end it. Um, I've really enjoyed this conversation. I hope that you and I were not too circuitous and uh, tangential with our thinking and speaking so that the audience could stay with us. I know that people appreciate us for who we are and I'm grateful for anyone that has come from Will's captive audience to hear. I'm hope that you found this valuable. I know that we'll shared a ton of stuff. Um, and I'm appreciative of you, of course, for being so vulnerable, um, and spending this time with me and sharing this space with me. I hope that you also found it enriching. Um, where can the people find you and what are you working on that you're excited about? Yeah, so definitely, um, area most easily to be found is instagram at will.coomer at w-i-l-l dot c-o-o-m-e-r um is going to be best um so reach out to me send me a dm on instagram whatever i'm i seriously really care about helping others just like we've we've talked about and um want to do everything i can so definitely reach out there on instagram and then as far as what i'm excited about 
is further, you know, like what we talked about doing more of this, just you and I having another one of these, um, talking more, um, spreading more through my brand and um, just continuing to build out some of these projects and travel to more places. Love it, brother. Well, I'm excited to watch you grow, grow alongside you now, um, share the journey a little bit as, as I say, share the arena. Um, it's been an honor um, to those listening. If you're curious about hearing more of this, obviously you're hearing it on either YouTube, Apple pods or Spotify, continue to follow along there for future episodes. If you want to follow myself, you can follow myself at Z D S C H E N K E N on Instagram and Twitter. Um, the podcast and the kind of the writings and works that I have for this are also at Vitruvian gentlemen on Instagram. Remember that your time and attention are your most valuable resources. So thank you for spending a little of them with myself and Will today. Memento Mori, and I'll catch you on the next episode of the Vitruvian Man podcast. And if he fails, at least fails while daring greater, so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls. No, neither victory nor defeat.